I don't know, he could have been like ex-KGB and had some incredible story to tell, or or he may have just grown the, you know, Bondi's biggest tomato. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organisation, well-being, energy and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Louise Goss. Joe can't remember how she came across Louise's magazine, The Homeworker, but she is a fan, as you'll find out shortly. Louise is the founder of The Homeworker, a resource dedicated to helping people thrive when they work from home. Shortlisted for launch of the year by the British Society of Magazine Editors, it provides expert insights, tips and resources to help people achieve a happier, healthier and more productive work from home lifestyle. Louise is an award-winning journalist and mum of two. She's worked across a range of media from TV, radio, digital and print and in regional, national and international newsrooms. Having worked from home for over a decade, she launched The Homeworker to help support and inspire people to make positive changes for a healthy mind, body and business. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Louise Goss of The Homeworker. Welcome Louise, thanks for joining me. Hello, thank you very much for having me. So it's lovely to um, have you on the podcast. We uh, did an interview a few months ago because I um, was in your magazine and uh, we were just laughing that uh, we talked for ages. (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) I'm really looking forward to this for catching up again, although we had to be fair, it's taken us a while to start because we were catching up already. Catching up. (laughs) So start by telling us who you are, what you do, and crucially, where you do it. So I am Louise Goss. I am the founder of The Homeworker, and that's um, a magazine and other resources as well for people who work from home. Um, So it started a couple of years ago, so before everybody was having to work from home, and it's all about sort of supporting people inspiring people really to help them make positive changes to improve their work and life and their work from home lifestyle Mm -hmm. Um, and it takes a very holistic view of home working so covering mindset and productivity and business but also the well-being aspect and your environment and your homework environment and I have worked from home myself for uh, well over 10 years now um so that's where I work. I'm based at home. I am here right now in my home office. Um, but I'm actually, I live in the smallest county in England. So Rutland. Oh, is that Rutland? In, in Rutland. Yay! Yes, in England. Yes. That's the general knowledge quiz answer if I ever heard <laughs> There you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so my husband's a sailor, so he goes up there every so often. Um, oh, yeah, Rutland Water is... Um, yeah big reservoir not not too far from us at all actually it's really nice to go and 
have walks there and bike rides and that sort of thing. Yeah, oh, lovely. And the homework is aimed at people who work from home, regardless of the reason. And I don't mean the COVID reason. I mean, as in, it's people, yes. that not necessarily people who have their own business like we do. It's it's also people who work for a business and happen to work from home. Is that the yeah, I would I would say so. I think that um, it, there's a bit of a mix. Obviously, I would say that it is for anybody who works from home. So you self-employed, freelancers, small business owners. And then I suppose more recently, because of COVID, there have been a lot more uh, remote workers, employees yeah. um, who've been interested. And I would say that the content's applicable to anybody really who works from home and then there will be perhaps one or two articles that are a bit more specific to a business owner and it may be around something to do with marketing or business or PR or something like that and then there mm. there may be an article that's perhaps more relevant to a remote worker or um, a manager you know leading a remote team and talking about remote leadership or HR or something like that so there's a bit of um there's a bit of a mix in there but I would say the majority really is applicable to anybody who works from home because we're talking about um you know habits and routines and your work setup and your environment and the mindset productivity tools and tips and those sorts of things which mm -hmm. are helpful to anybody really who's home-based yes yeah and where did this all come from because i don't imagine you planned to start a magazine for home workers when you were <laughs> leaving your school <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't on the radar no not when i not when i left school i, I mean i left school and i was I, I did always want to go into media interestingly so um i mean i did languages funny enough at school and at uni i then ended up going and doing um a broadcast journalism qualification that's what I went into initially was was radio and tv and then I kind of made the move into print a bit later on more after children and because it was easier to do it from home and be flexible wow. um and 24-hour news isn't that conducive to um having a family and, and family life so I but the the homeworker itself came I think the first seeds of it were planted a few years earlier and we were living in Australia at the time and it's quite a funny story because actually when I think back I was actually working um I helped to co-found a tech startup so it's sort of way very different to what I'm doing now um and as part of that I was interviewing a lot of small business owners and just had my eyes open to how many people are working from home and doing this huge variety of really interesting things. And I thought it would be great, you know, as a journalist, I love hearing people's stories and, and talking to people. And I thought it'd be really good just to start interviewing these people, profiling them, finding out about what they do and how they do it. And as that idea evolved, it sort of turned into how they navigate doing it from home. And then I sort of realized having done it myself for quite a long time, all the different elements that really have to work together if you want to work from home successfully. And when we returned from Australia, I had two very young children, one uh, just under one, and the other one who was almost three. And I was looking for something to do. I didn't, and, uh, and I thought, well, actually, I wanted to do something for myself. And so the, the idea, those sort of early starts of, uh, you know, ideas I'd had in my head, that came to fruition. I thought, oh, well, why don't I start this and, and, and try it out? And a magazine just seemed like, I mean, as a journalist, it was something that I thought I could, I could do. But also it was, um, I thought, a really good vehicle to kind of cover all these different 
topics and, and elements. So, yeah, I launched it in 2019 um, before yeah, as I say, before we all started <laughs> working from home. Yeah. And um, and it just had a really um, positive uh, response to it. And um, I really enjoy doing it. And it's really interesting. I get to obviously talk to loads of different people and lots of different experts on these topics. And yeah, um, yeah and so here we are, um, well, yeah, two years later now. And uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm intrigued. Um in lots of different ways but one of the, one hmm. of the questions I have is I my first business actually was publishing I, I can't remember if I said to you before you did yes yeah, magazine, so, yeah. so I published local magazines so they were those little a5 um, full of advertising for local businesses but had mm -hmm. editorial and, and local community news and all that sort of stuff in there as well and aspirationally at one stage I, I talked to a friend and said I'd love to do this for business and there was a, a one that was at, around at the time which I really liked the format of and everything else and it sort of inspired me and we did I think we did maybe two editions we certainly did one I can't remember the cover of the second so maybe we didn't even get to the second one and then we just decided it was going to be too hard because the local magazines we could just deliver locally um, it was expensive to deliver but it was a defined area and made sense and then you know people paid me advertising to do it and that made the money and everything else but I couldn't see how I was going to do it with the business one so well because it would rely probably on postage and everything else so that was like 15 years ago um and and then you launched something like now or two years ago which was at a time where more and more stuff is online and you know some people would have said you know online's the way to go offline isn't um you know look at kindle and all that sort of stuff and yet you've made it work and and i think one of the principles of what you do is about sort of lush quality because i get mm. your magazine online but i also bought your you do like a i do a hard copy yeah hard print copy. print version yeah and you do at the end of the year a, a sort of review copy type thing don't you there's yes. been two of those which i've got and they're lovely and i bought some for my members because they were so lovely mm. Um, so t tell me a bit about the model and, and how it, it's working in what would appear to be a challenging situation for what you do, but doesn't look to be because you're doing it so well. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, well, it's, um, it is interesting. I mean, because there's been a lot of talk as well about the death of print and yeah. yet actually if you look at it, it's a, a quite a few independent magazines have actually started over the last you know in the last five to ten years or so and and I think people I think people still like that tangible tactile quality of of a magazine so yeah. although the quarterly issue is digital um and you know that that works because you know yes people are online a lot more and it, it's kind of easy and it makes certainly from a delivery <laughs> delivery point mm -hmm. of view that makes it ma makes more sense but I'm also somebody who really likes something in print and yeah. I thought that and the design um I suppose the design features and the quality of the design is something that I really enjoy as well and I find yeah. really important so I thought it would look so nice <laughs> printed um that I decided I would I would sort of I gauged it a bit and I asked a few questions and people you know as soon as I posed the question would you like to see this in print it was pretty much a resounding yes from uh -huh. from people 
so I went ahead yeah. <laughs> and did did the first issue so volume one and um I, I think probably just as well because of the timing and the way you know work was going even pre-covid it was something that um well it was something that was of interest to like quite a lot of people and so I was really lucky to start getting it distributed yeah. so I obviously printed more copies and then it goes to through a distributor and they and so it gets stocked in quite a few independent magazine stores mm. I was going to say around the UK but actually it is global because there are some uh, stocked in the states as well and it goes into some of the Barnes and Noble stores in America so mm. um yeah so that's the, that's how the print I mean obviously a lot of people do buy it directly through me on the website and there is mm. a postage cost involved um in that but I think people do expect to pay a little bit for postage and because it's a magazine it's not a huge amount um mm -hmm. so but but yeah it was basically such the... an amazing thing to send to my members you had it oh. a nice um um tissue paper sort of thing and well, it... that was one of the things I, I mean even when I first started I, I knew that it was going to be digital primarily um yeah. for, for various reasons but I in my mind I was like I love the idea of of creating of doing this in print and actually sending it to people and I really wanted this idea of almost people like receiving a gift in yeah. the post like something really nice that wasn't just you know wrapped in plastic and you know you could see it straight away but something that was of really nice quality and had a few little you know bits in there like postcards and things and yeah and, and then wrapped um so that it felt like you were opening something special yeah. and again the feedback I've had from that is that people have really appreciated it and they really yeah. enjoy receiving it so yeah that, no it's really nice it sort of ticks a lot of the boxes for me uh, yeah and I'm going to sound really sycophantic here because I am um, I I don't generally have um magazines in real life you know I, yeah. I have a big ipad so i can read magazines really well on there that's part of the reason why i got the the 12.9 inch one because it's like having yes. you know the magazine in front of you sort of yeah thing. um but i've sorted out my office again recently and um i've of course got quite a lot of books because I, I i've got like hundreds of books on kindle but i've still got lots of books that i won't get rid of that are sort of you know on my bookcases and stuff um mm -hmm. and then i've got your two oh annual things like propped in my little thing next to my armchair they're the only things in there and <clears throat> just like the books I can't admit to reading them <laughs> I read them when I got them but you know I, yes, don't of course. Um, I don't do anything with them other than have them there but that's you know that's fine because it's just like the books in the room as well so um they are you know effectively pride of place because I don't oh, know I love that I love that no it's it's so nice and um as I say I mean it's if I buy a magazine in the shop and I and I read it I don't genuinely well yeah and I, I don't generally feel <laughs> um sort of compelled to go and email the editor and say I've just read your magazine and you know I mean I, I made it it depends how how yes but I have to say the number of sort of just emails and messages that I get from people just saying this is fantastic you know I, I love it you know and that, yeah. that's so nice I mean it does make it worthwhile and you know and a few people have said it is one of those magazines that they like to keep and yeah. and have just there and they may flick through it now and again and use it as a bit of a reference and mm. I mean that that's music to my ears I mean that that's so nice it's and all these and it's very you know they're unsolicited messages and mm -hmm. um 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that really just when you you do work hard, I mean, you appreciate having done your magazines. It is, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And, um, luckily I enjoy it <laughs> yeah, and, and and you know again at the risk of sounding like I'm really like you know um <laughs> using you here um you know you do it so well you interviewed me for you know a page article in the magazine and it was absolutely spot on I think I'm you know I suggested a couple of you know words changed um, yeah. to clarify and that was it and 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 it was me it was like you know we did spend a couple of hours on on the <laughs> we did have a long chat that one yes <laughs> exactly we got a while and everything else but you know your your sort of skills of being able to distill what somebody's told you and tell a story um is compelling and and it was actually me it wasn't just some sort of generalized sort of um mm. review of what we discussed it it was great you know really good and um so yeah if that's the 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 quality of what you're doing when you're interviewing people and you're turning those into you know the articles you can see why people do enjoy it and also you know people like me who've been part of it actually yeah value in it as well sort of thing so uh, oh no thank you no that that means a lot and and I suppose you know as a as a journalist it is one of those skills actually that you kind of just learn over years of doing it and interviewing yeah. people and and I think one of the key things for me is yeah yeah it, it's it's listening actually really listening and um and it's one of the things why actually zoom has been brilliant for me because I will do a lot of the interviews via zoom so that I am not scribbling all the time during the interview mm. and I can really pay attention and listen to what they're saying and yeah. then go back and I think what I love about interviewing someone particularly in person if we can um is just getting that that sense of that person and yeah and 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 hopefully you know as i say one of those sort of skills as a journalist is then being able to to put that into words and give people a real sense mm. of the person rather than just sort of like this is what they do yeah. and um it, it's funny actually this takes me way back to a few well a few years ago now and i mentioned we were in australia for a time and one of the jobs that i did over there um when I was self-employed was I ended up writing a book for somebody um, who basically advertised in a local uh, sort of gazette in our local area looking for somebody to write their story and I thought oh this sounds like a really interesting project and um, so I met him and and we had a chat and honestly at this point you see I had no idea who this person was and he could have had I don't know, he could have been like ex-KGB and had some incredible story to tell or or he may have just grown the, you know, Bondi's biggest tomato or something and like <laughs> wanted to share the, to share the news. So I was like, well, let's, let's, let's suss this out. And, um, and we got chatting and he ended up, he did have an interesting story. He'd um, grown up under Tito in communist Yugoslavia and... Mm-hmm. And it was his story was all about how he sort of grew up there in, you know, in complete poverty uh-huh. and then ended up sort of fleeing and hitchhiking across Europe and then managing to get passage to Australia. So it was a really interesting story. And but English was not his first language, although he spoke it pretty well. Um, I think part of the reason he didn't want to write his own story was because he just did, you know, wouldn't have been yeah. able to do that. And yeah. he so through a series of interviews and meeting him and yeah I I had to 
get the essence of him and his family and his whole story and even reimagine some of the dialogue that took place obviously with his help but he could not tell me word for word so that was a really interesting project and I think that's probably also helped in terms of you know when it comes to writing profiles of people and interviewing is just um yeah yeah really trying to understand what that person is who that person is and then getting that um across so yeah yeah it was that was uh I'm feeling feeling a sliding doors moment you could have started a business ghostwriting people's life stories yeah (laughs) well yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I love I love writing I actually love writing fiction and I I you know I always have and I to this day I think one day one day I'll write that and all I actually do have on my hard drive a, a sort of a novel that is written, almost written. It's about 90,000 words. I mean, it's a decent wow. length. And um, I keep saying one day I'll go back and I'll readdress it and I'll go back and edit it and yeah. <laughs> like just maybe do something with it. Um, because I actually love the story and I, I do want to do something with it. It's just finding the the right moment. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I need to, I need to, um, recommend some friends of mine and I can't think what their website is so I'm going to have to look it up but um it's um, Neil and Jen Bakewell they help people to write for Kindle and um you know this is people from nowhere with no experience often as well um so um you're obviously way (laughs) further down the sort of uh, journey with that but um I will I will check out their details and send them to you and then we'll get them in the show notes as well um because they they're great people to just be connected with and they know tons about all that sort of stuff in fact he um he he has a sideline where he's henry the eighth and he goes he used to go into schools and be henry the eighth teaching them about history and stuff amazing (laughs) yeah but uh yeah so i'll uh, I'll pass you those details um so so tell us what your what your days are like i mean it's as you say it's time consuming doing something like this um you know working with so many different people with so many different stories and and you know putting together such a good quality magazine it's a ton of work and you've got small children um Mm -hmm. what you know how does how does that work what do your days look like how do you manage your your time um goodness that's it's quite i i I, I knew obviously this sort of question was going to come up (laughs) and i was like it's so interesting because I remember you know, really early on someone asking me the similar and I still haven't developed a really good answer, which is <laughs> which is yeah, not not great. I really should have worked on it. But um I think I think that so I have a few things that I probably do. I mean, first of all, I have obviously my career started as a journalist. So I am driven by deadlines, and that's just part and parcel of my life and and how I work and I need to put them in place otherwise things don't always get done so for me that's kind of one thing that kind of forces my hand like I know if something has to get done and I know by when it will always get done um and I'm also when it comes I suppose we're talking more time management here because you're right I do have young children and they have especially now things are a bit more open again after lockdown loads of activities going on and uh, I mean so suddenly life has become a lot busier so yeah. I'm very sort of strict with sort of prioritizing what I do and what I'm working on and I'm also a big fan in terms of time management of using time blocking 
um, I actually wrote about time blocking in the latest issue of the magazine and put together a bit of a guide on it because I find it a really useful tool for me to just keep uh-huh. me on track and keep me um, just focused on what I need to get done rather than getting distracted. I think one of the things, especially these days, that stops people always being as productive as they might be um, is that you know, we have we are bombarded constantly with you know emails and social media and you know there's so many possible distractions out there so yeah. i'm quite disciplined around you know using my phone checking emails and messages and that sort of thing um so i suppose little things like that just help me throughout the day <laughs> to get yeah, everything done and planning you know i'm a big you know i i i've always got a list um but i'm also you know i'm always working ahead obviously yeah. the magazine comes out each quarter so i kind of will already know perhaps 6 months in advance you know what's going to be happening and therefore i can sort of plan and set yeah. aside time to speak to the relevant people I'm not saying that you know a week before the magazine's due out I'm not frantically scrabbling around going oh my goodness or something changes or I mean last year in 2020 is a case in point because April 2020 there was an issue due out March 2020 we all went into lockdown and everybody started working from home and I was like oh my goodness I need to reflect this in our (laughs) April issue so it was um that was quite uh (laughs) <laughs> that was a quite a frantic uh time but yeah. again I think I'm fairly used to sort of you know turning things around quite quickly you know yeah. I've worked in newsrooms long enough and uh, 24-hour news in particular you know you can really be under the pump sometimes to get things yeah. out and um and, and and also interviewing people like on the fly like I've had you know funny little stories that have happened to me where people have turned up or I haven't you know, not, I haven't been told or it's been really last minute and you just have to be across it and be able to (laughs) interview them and then edit it and turn it around and get it out. And so, um, as somebody like me who actually would struggle quite a lot with perfectionism, it's actually quite a good practice (laughs) because you can't spend too long going, Oh my goodness, is this, is this right? Is this perfect? Um, I have to be accepting of, of, you know, it is what it is and and get it out. So yes, the quality is really important to me. And I do luckily um, have somebody, have a proofreader who will (laughs) will check things over for me Um, because, you know, there's inevitably there'll be the odd little typo or something, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's just a constant, it's a constant balance and I don't always get it right. And sometimes you know, my children will <laughs> moan at me because I'm working again. And I um, stop. I, I, I started yeah. my business to spend time more time with my daughter and she still complains. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, exactly. I mean, they, they are, they are pretty good and they do understand. And I, you know, I will try and get, you know, the bulk of things on, say, for instance, this interview when it, <laughs> I need some peace and quiet and not being constantly interrupted, although mm. obviously my husband did at the very beginning. Um, <laughs> so I now have to worry more about my husband working from home than, than having children around. <laughs> but, <Yeah>. the, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the um, <clears throat> no, I try and get, you know, the, the, these sorts of jobs done in the day when they're at school. Um, but I started the magazine when they were not at school, actually. Yeah. And, and, you know, and it was hard. It was just, it was just 
hard work and sometimes there is no silver bullet or magic fix and there are lots of things that we can do you know time management things and and little hacks and tweaks to our day that make things better and help us cope more but I just sometimes it's just a case of it's hard work and I just got to get on with it and there were a few late nights involved and (laughs) and um and that's the way it is but it has got easier um as I've got used to sort of doing it as um you know, as my children have grown up a little bit and are now at school. Yeah. Um, and we've moved house in the last uh, six months as well, which has been brilliant because I now have my own dedicated right. home office, which has yeah. made things a lot easier. Yeah. And I guess it's that whole sort of learning through repetition thing as well. You know, you've done however many editions. Mm, ten, well, 10 issues. The 10th yeah. issue um, came yeah. out. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So you talked about time blocking and it's something that we've mentioned on the podcast before um, and it's something that is quite topical. In fact, I'm sure I saw, I'm trying to think who it was, I think it was Productivityist, Mike, I can't think what his surname is, um, was promoting an event and it was like a, I don't know, it was a one or two day event and it, it might even have been three days and it was all focused on time blocking (laughs) i've always had this thing about you know when you're creating content how can you you know create all this content around stuff that seems so simple you know that that whole thing about when you're doing you can't think there's a lot of sophistication to teach somebody but they managed to create a whole um event (laughs) out of the concept of time blocking so i haven't got that much time but (laughs) how do you define it and what how do you it's funny isn't it because for me it's something that I have done I thought about this and I thought well you know I've definitely done it the way I do it now for you know maybe a few years but if I go back if I look back and I think back to I remember really distinctly my GCSE year Mm -hmm. and my revision and I think back and I had quite a lot going on you know I was one of these children that did lots of things and you know I had friends and I wasn't just always chained to my desk and but I did really well and I I, and I just at school and I think generally I was just quite organized and one of the things looking back that I did with like even just like my revision timetable was was time blocking and I and I smile to myself now because I'm like I don't know what as a you know 14 15 year old I was literally I scheduled out my day and I put in a break for for lunch and I put in a break for a, a you know a time block for a break and I mean I didn't have um smartphone distracting me back then <laughs> so perhaps things were a bit easier but I just you know there were little things that I did uh listen I, I had a certain album that I just remember having on repeat and I think back now <laughs> as well as like music I find yeah. quite a useful tool sometimes as well to get yeah. me sort of in the mood and, and get going and so yeah, I think I've always sort of naturally done this. And then, um, but for me, it's all about just, well, it sounds very simple, but again, you know, it's, if you're not used to doing it, um, it can seem perhaps like some mystic art to, <laughs> to, to managing your time. But I, but it's, it, I always find this interesting with, with certain topics where people say, can you explain how you do it? I think if you know how to do it, then it's easy. You know, it's like a question's uh-huh. easy if you know the answer, but actually you you sort of I think we underestimate sometimes you know how you know our skills and our abilities and the things that we can do that 
um, that to other people are just, you know, not something that they're, that they're accustomed to. So for me, it's, um, it's all about just looking at what, you know, what it is that I've got, that I've got to do in my day and then blocking out chunks of time dedicated to those that that specific task so and you know and try not to make those blocks of time too long so that because you know our brains obviously can't work optimally for much longer than about 90 minutes I don't think so I try to keep things you know chunked to not too much longer than that and um and then also block out time for things like checking emails for instance because that really stops me from just reacting to them as they come in I mean I get dozens and dozens of emails every day and if I had if I stopped doing my work every second an email popped up to to look at it and reply to it then I would literally get nothing done and I would um and you know it takes a bit of time if you're switching from one task to another to actually get into that flow of, of you know the next task so I, I think time blocking for me is just useful because it goes right between this hour and this hour, I'm going to be focused on this. And it just really helps me to stay on track yeah. and stay focused um, and not constantly switch between different tasks, um, not get distracted by notifications. Yeah. And, and the, but I'm also careful to sort of block out a time for a break (laughs) because otherwise it's very easy to just sort of do back-to-back work and then you end up you know really flagging by the end of the day and I think working from home you know taking breaks is one of those things we we do have to be quite disciplined about doing because it's so easy to not get up and move and and take a break and we haven't got perhaps all the same reasons that we would have done Mm -hmm. in the office to move and get up and speak to people and pop to the photocopier or whatever it is that we might have had to do so um so yeah taking breaks is is something that I'm very keen on (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah I think one of the things I've sort of thought about recently with stuff is that some of the sort of more urgent stuff that needs to get done you know like responding to some emails or yeah sort of routine type stuff that's not really that important but does have to get done sort of thing just ends up getting done anyway so actually focusing on doing those things is a bit of a waste of your energy because one way or the other they'll get done anyway it's the focusing on the important stuff that is the hard thing and that's the bit you know that we should be doing I think because the other yeah stuff and I think that's the other thing with so like with a to-do list I mean obviously I've got um I'm somebody who will, in the first instance, sort of just brain dump everything. And that might include um, certain emails or whatever that I have to write or reply to. Um, But actually, when I come to just writing my to-do list for the day, I'm not going to bother writing every sort of email or something that I need to do. I mean, it's just the, the really important stuff, because like you say, those, those little things, if I, if they're things that I'm going to get done in five or 10 minutes, I'm not going to add them to my list or mm. uh, you know I, they may be included within a block of time but they're um I think that ends up really swamping your to-do list and yeah. actually making it a little bit overwhelming it's quite satisfying to tick it all off yeah <laughs> there is that there is you know there's an element of like oh well I know I'm going to get that done so I, I'll stick it there so I can just tick it off yeah. um but but actually I, I I what I'm do is I will be quite strict about maybe just focusing on say three things 
in my day that I need to get done. And even then they eat all those three things. Might, they might not all get done, but they're much more likely to get done rather than if I'd stuck, you know, 10 things down and I'm like, oh my goodness, where do I even begin? Yes. Um, yeah. 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 I think that's my problem. I was, I've just rearranged yet again, my um, to-doist um, setup, which uh, makes me happy and makes me <laughs> organized every time I do it. <laughs> Um, but I realized today when I was looking at uh, the things that I'm supposed to have done um, around like audience building and stuff that the list, list is so ridiculously long there's no chance I was going to get it all done this week anyway <laughs> so why I do that and instead of spending time you know discerning what I'm going to do because in the end all I the only discerning I do is thinking whether I can be bothered to do that in the time I've got <laughs> and I pick the easiest yes. thing rather than the most important thing <laughs> Yeah, I think you almost need, um, you know, you have to plan to plan in a way. You have to like take that time to actually put together. I mean, I, I for me, I try and do that the night before. So I have quite a, a sort of just a little routine in the evening. It's not it's not that strict, but um, just to make sure that I've got down pretty much looking ahead to the next day, what it is that I need to get done, because mm-hmm. then I'm not spending that time in the morning thinking oh what am I meant to be doing right now um because it's all there and I can get going and Mm -hmm. um yeah so that that's something I sometimes I'll do it in the morning but I have quite a nice routine for the morning and I generally I like to uh just get going on that and then and then start work um, normally after the school at the moment (laughs) yes yeah yeah all that's changed hasn't it over the past however long um we've yeah got- I mean I like to get up a bit earlier and you know sometimes I will do a bit of work um before the school run yeah. um but I also like my mornings they're quite precious to me actually in terms of just having that time for myself um mm-hmm. so I, I I generally will make sure I'm I'm up before the children get up and then I'll do um well yoga actually has become I say new thing, but it's sort of certainly over the last few months, something that's much more of a non-negotiable for me anymore. And I like to do some form of exercise. So I may go like actually this morning, I went for a run and did some yoga, but, but I'll always do some kind of stretching or yoga. Um, Do you use a particular yoga thing? Is there an, I I do. I, I, do you know, I've just been doing them from YouTube and using, um, so the you know yoga with adrian she's obviously like very well known Uh, yeah but she does some really good sort of like 30 day um programs and so i've followed like a couple of those and they just and that i mean that is just a really good way of just starting because then you sort of every day you know there's like one a day Uh and and it keeps you following that program and then that gets you into the habit of doing it and I and I love it and um Mm -hmm. find it really nice way to wake up the one I read in your um magazine this month the bar work looks interesting until you read the bit at the end where she says um it just gets harder you know yeah Yeah, she she did she says it doesn't get easier you just end up becoming you know you just push yourself a bit more each time I I yeah the bar and I've actually done a bit of um bar and I actually did try one of her classes as well because I wanted to you know know what it was (laughs) know what it was about you're a method writer (laughs) yeah sometimes um but they are brilliant and they are sort of really energizing so I think you know and they're such I think particularly um 
for women where perhaps you know running and and sort of high impact exercise you know it might not be suitable sometimes so it's one of those ways of being able to get a really good sort of cardio uh, workout in without um, damaging the joints and then and also there's a lot of um, core stability work involved Uh as well which is good and I think actually if you're sat at a desk um, for a lot of the day that core stability works yeah. really important actually for just yeah. your posture and not getting all the aches and pains in your in your neck and your shoulders yeah. and it was the picture as well that put me off she looks far too fit and um and <laughs> apple and everything else so uh but yeah and um, for the for people listening if you're interested it's meetyouatthebar.com with uh bar spelt b-a-r-r-e um, that's right her like name's Je- yeah her name's jenny <laughs> brown and she she um she only started the her sort of bar fitness uh, workouts, I think, in 2019. Uh-huh. Um, but then obviously, because of COVID, she sort of put lessons online and, you know, people were obviously looking for a lot of home workouts. Um, so it was really good to interview her, actually, because um, and I like one of the things that she says, you know, because you don't need all this equipment, um, but it is probably one of the best uses for an ironing board. Uh, to use <laughs> to use your ironing board as a bar because I tell you what my ironing board doesn't get used for anything else so. it's fine so yeah that's a, that's a plan uh, lovely so um what about learning and improving yourself how do you keep up I mean I don't even know I'm asking you the, the amount of people you interview for the magazine <laughs> have time to do anything else or need to <laughs> I was going to say it's, it's an education for me actually just speaking yeah. to everyone I do um which is is one way I can kind of improve and, and develop myself because I you know I've learned so much over the last um few years and with every everyone I speak to really um I think that I mean I do like listening to podcasts um occasionally I mean I don't probably don't do it as much as I used to I um we were chatting earlier weren't we about the clubhouse app and I think that's I when I first started using clubhouse I was like many people quite addicted to it and it was on all the time and I was like oh my goodness and I was just sort of trying to suss it out and 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 um work out how I was going to use it um but now I quite like just dipping in and out and you know there are some rooms that are real gems and you can be quite enlightened by listening to some of the speakers but and then others can be a little bit hit and miss so um but I do like rooms (laughs) yeah there's lots of turning up and all they're doing is like introducing each other and and complimenting each other on their latest book and everything else before they even say anything useful and by that time I've gone (laughs) yes yeah there are a few I think if you can get some that are very heavily moderated and it's just a little bit too much about the moderators but um the there are you know there are occasionally you'll you'll hear some really great guests talking um uh, so yeah self-development I think for me it's all about kind of yeah I I say I kind of do a lot of the learning through through creating the magazine and interviewing everyone I do but then I like to you know listen to podcasts I'll read books although at the moment I tend to I will try and just switch off with with like a fiction book rather than some more kind of learning um but there are some you know some really great books out there and 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 um what else do I like to do I think for me the sort of the self-development thing is it's 
very holistic I take a holistic view of everything I take a holistic view of working from home and I you know I, I take a holistic view of sort of trying to get the balance right in all things and I just think it's looking at it's making sure everything's looked after so yeah yeah you know I, I do do a bit of self-development but I think if I'm looking after myself with you know fitness and nutrition and sleep and all those sorts of things which are so important then I'm also you know doing doing what I can to to, to keep me going and then sustaining myself yes yeah it's interesting another thing um just I was looking at the magazine before we came on and there was an article about um not using technology so much um, yeah which you know is a, is a sort of uh an ongoing debate and conversation I, I've interviewed somebody who sort of specialized on that um to myself but it was interesting that I was reflecting that we do um we sometimes like vilify technology and say that you know it's causing all these issues and anything else I started reading a book last night and I couldn't put it down so I stayed awake for two hours longer than I'd planned <sighs> And I spent all morning reading it and I finished the book about 10 o'clock this morning. Um, and I and I was laughing then reading that article, thinking to myself, I agree on the one hand, but I also, on the other, you know, think about, you know, hundreds of years ago when, um, you know, books came in compared to not having any and all that sort of stuff. They, they were seen as being an issue. Um, you know, there's all these sort of stories on there about, you know, as te- as things have changed, not just tech stuff in the past that, you know, things don't get accepted straight away and everything else. And I thought it's funny because we say that my my friend's um, son is a, a big reader and, you know, you see him walking home from school reading his book as he walks up the road and things like that. He never gets in trouble for reading. <laughs> but if he was on his device all the time, he would. And it's funny how, um, like, with anything. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think it's, yeah. it is, it's, funny because technology it's essential nowadays to our to our working lives to pretty much any aspect of life um I guess the difference is because you know yes books are seen now as being very (laughs) sort of wholesome and and educational whereas if you're on a device yes you know it's it's suddenly vilified I don't I think uh I guess the thing with the book is there's, it, it's less um, distracting. You know, I'm not an expert in how the technology yeah. works, but I do know that obviously looking at a screen, there's you know you're being bombarded by a lot of different things there, and, and they become quite addictive. And I think it's that addictive yes. nature of it that's the, okay. the problem. And trying to find trying to find that that balance really yes. with um, using it because obviously we have to, and we also need to teach our children how to use it. But having that healthy relationship with it um rather than letting it dictate our lives yeah and it goes back to what you're saying you know that whole holistic thing you know as I say I I you know I wouldn't say wasted some time this morning reading my book because it was enjoyable and I love reading and I feel like I've indulged myself but Hmm. there were things I should have been getting on with (laughs) (laughs) um that I wasn't because I was reading the book so but it is taking that bigger view isn't it and and you know being happy that you're spending time on the things that you want to spend time on yeah and again and I this word again balance but it's that balance between taking time for yourself and doing things that you enjoy and that really nurture you versus sometimes you just have to be really disciplined and push yourself and go right I've got to get this done so that's that's going away and then you know almost 
saving that as a little treat <laughs> for afterwards. Yeah. So that's quite, I find that quite useful as well sometimes. Go, right, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to give myself that instant gratification. I'm going to save it. And when I've done this, then I'm going to allow myself to do that. And um, and sometimes I'll do that even with, with tasks. Like there are certain parts, as with any job, um, that you really love and enjoy. And I could spend hours and hours doing it if I let myself. Um, and then there'll be other things that I'm like, oh, don't want to do so much but if I save I save the, the treat tasks to the end and then that's like my little reward for getting all the other stuff done and um yeah I think that's one of those um you've probably come across it the whole concept of eat your frog which is a book as well yeah. but you know getting rid of that task you don't really want to do or the thing that you procrastinate on all the time and getting that out of the way yeah and, definitely you know. yeah it's funny I I um, recently uh, relaunched the Engage for Success website, which is uh, the um, National Movement for Employee Engagement, who I volunteer with. And um, I had to stop myself from reading any fiction during the week we were launching because I knew <laughs> that I would get distracted <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't afford the time. So I had to literally, so I was so like excited when I finished and actually got it live and, and you know, normal life could restart. Yeah. <laughs> so I then picked up a book. <laughs> yeah so it was yeah. both uh, taking away the distraction and uh, a reward <laughs> that's it yeah and I think I think that's quite that's quite nice but yeah lovely so last couple of questions and um, what about those days when you um when, no I was about to say when you get to live more first what about those days when it all goes horribly wrong <laughs> those <laughs> Yeah, and of course there are those days they happen <laughs> probably more frequently than I'd like um do you know I I they happen and I think I have perhaps got better at not beating myself up about it and and not letting it completely derail me actually so you know the morning may not get off to a great start or something might happen that will take me off track or I won't end up getting something finished that I was really hoping to do that day um and I can feel a bit disappointed by it. And I can sometimes, you know, I do have a tendency sometimes to be a bit hard on myself and I'll be like, oh, you know, why didn't I do this? And um, but I have got better at just going, you know, it, it happens and I've just got to get on with it. And mm -hmm. I can't, you know, it's that it's a pretty stoic attitude, I think, of just, you know, you know, you've only you can there are certain things in your power to change and certain things that that aren't. And so I try to just go with that and you know what's done is done and I've just got to keep moving forward and try and make up time where I can or readjust a few things or just you know change you know be adaptable be flexible um I think that's one of those those things but yeah I mean it, I think and little things can happen in your day as well not not even just getting distracted or or you know something not going right but you know some something could happen like you get an email out of the blue and it might be like oh my goodness what's going on and it can throw you a bit or um, it might you know be and you know I think again and this kind of comes back to this why I'm so passionate really about making sure you're looking after the whole because you know if you are mentally really stressed and really fraught and you're not looking after yourself particularly well then you're not going to cope with 
some of the things that do get thrown at you in your day or things not going right. But I think if you're fa- if you've got some sort of good foundations in place, then mm-hmm. you are in a much better position to cope with all of that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great. And so last question on those days when you get to live more. So that's why I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less mm. of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? Um, well, I think it has been a day that has where I have done something for myself and for my business mm-hmm. and I can finish the day just feeling a sort of accomplished really but it but generally it means that I I've eaten well I've exercised I've made some plans and actually quite importantly that I've discovered particularly over lockdown actually is um that I've talked to somebody and and had a conversation because I I need that like I'm quite an extrovert in character and I like being around people I I mean I'm not saying that I could be solidly on a zoom call back to that you know there's a difference (laughs) but I do enjoy talking to people and I mean I I think I have I'm probably more what you'd call an ambivert because I have some introverted tendencies but I really do like socializing and being around people and I've missed that and I don't think I'd realized quite how much I had until we started to be allowed to to mix with people again and um oh, done ever since have you oh yeah pretty much it's been like yeah right come round yeah I'm in the garden barbecue's on I know it's raining who cares yeah. you know, it's um but I just I think you know just um it could be a conversation like like this it could be but it's um it could just be, you know, a phone call with a friend, but I will try and something like that in my day. I mean, obviously I can talk, my husband now works from home a bit more, so I sort of see him on and off, but, but I, I think something, um, it's not just a kind of brief <laughs> chat in the kitchen while you're making a cup of tea or something, but it's more something quite um, meaningful. Yeah. And, um, and purposeful. And, and I really, I get so much from that and I get quite energized from that. So that's something that is quite important for me to have done in my day as well. Mm. Lovely. As expected, it's been brilliant talking to you, Louise, and we've gone on for ages. <laughs> a shorter outro on this one. Um, tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact. Um, so the best way is the website, which is uh, thehomeworker.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the homeworker mag and, um, and actually I'm on LinkedIn as well, um, which is Louise Goss on LinkedIn. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great to speak to you. Stop feeling stuck and overwhelmed. Join Power to Live More Calm membership today and make an investment in your future. The Power to Live More Calm membership is designed for coaches and consultants struggling with the pressures of running a home-based business. You get access to our supportive community, including weekly Zoom calls, accountability, learning materials teaching you online marketing, audience building, income generation, and all sorts of other things you need to run your home-based business with ease, along with materials like templates, checklists, and planners to keep you motivated, organised, and productive. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership programme and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash get calm. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to your app that you're listening to this on, you'll be able to see them there. Or you can go to powertolivemore.com 
forward slash, in this case, 218, and you'll find them there. This week, I want to talk to you about Essentialism, which is a book by Greg McEwen, and it's the topic that we spoke about at the Members Gold Call on Monday. It's quite pertinent for me this week because I'm actually away in my caravan camping off grid. And so there's limited solar power because it's quite cloudy for half of the day. So the battery's not being topped up until the second half of the day and charging a laptop and various phones um, for the children and so on uh, takes away from that. So I have to be quite careful in managing power. And also the internet isn't very good. I used to use E, but I'm currently using Vodafone. And in this particular field, it's not quite as good as the E was. So what that's doing is it's forcing me to work out what the most important things are that I need to do and just getting on and doing those and not sort of faffing around getting distracted doing other stuff that isn't essential for this week. So it was interesting that I'd picked that book as the topic for the week as part of our Simplify theme for the month, but hadn't really thought about the fact that I'd be in the caravan at the same time. The book talks about four main principles, and um, these really are the sort of, the, the, the you know, as principles are the things to think about when you're thinking about essentialism in your own life. So the first one is about do do less, but do it better. That whole thing about don't keep focusing or not focusing, trying to focus on many different things, because that, of course, doesn't work. That isn't focus. So thinking about just really picking the really important stuff and working on doing that the best you can and dropping everything else. Second one is about rejecting the notion that we should accomplish everything. And I think the more we're in this sort of digital age where we have everything at our fingertips, information and the ability to do things, there's a real tendency to keep adding tasks to our list rather than doing the opposite, which is what Greg's um, suggesting. Third one is constantly question yourself and update your plans accordingly. And we talked at the call about how often we have these great ideas and sort of simplify what we're doing and time goes on and we sort of add more things back in and I was saying I often look at my calendar and realize that I've just added a load of meetings or a load of stuff in there that wasn't in there a few weeks ago but I've just sort of said yes to things that perhaps I should have said no to and so it's really important to have a regular review process of your projects and the things that you're working on and the things that you're doing and the people that you're spending time with and so on so that you can make sure that you are really picking those things that are most important to you and those people that are most important to you. And the fourth one is waste no time ensuring that the changes are put in place. So if you do that plan, you realise that you've got some issues, work out how you're going to make a difference to that and, and put that back to how you want it to be. And that takes us back to the topic that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, which is about saying no, because that's something that often we have a problem with and don't really realise we've got that problem until we do that review and realise that we've got loads of stuff on our plate that we didn't intend. We also talked, um, particularly from my experience this week, about how amazing it is how much we can get done when we've got very little time and a deadline. Uh, you know, when push comes to shove, that sort of thing about you're going on holiday and you manage to get done more in the last three hours of the day than you did in the last three weeks sort of thing. I might be slightly exaggerating there. <laughs> but the question really then is how can we create an environment, i.e. a short period of focused time on a regular basis to get done what we need to do to be most productive and most essential? Um, because we know that that 
works and it does happen that way but how can we carve out that time and that's one of the things that we do within the power to live more calm gold membership we uh, have get it done sessions every week it's literally just two hours where we all get together and plan to do something specific individually and we each hold each other accountable and we we constantly sort of uh, smile about how simple the process is it just involves us getting together saying what we're going to do go off going off and doing it coming back and sort of updating halfway through and then coming back at the end of the two hours to confirm how much we've achieved and we're always really amazed how much we've managed to achieve in two hours and also sort of amazed (laughs) probably as well in how we can't seem to find those two hours elsewhere in the week so how can you do that how can you find that time for you to focus on that thing that you really need to do without distractions to get that stuff done so and and making sure that it's the right stuff the essential stuff and then just to finish one of the Greg's suggestions is to ensure that you're always saying I choose to rather than I have to and that's when you know that you're following that essential path that you're doing the things you choose to do rather than the things that you have to because other people have told you to do them or because you've said yes to something that you didn't want to say yes to. So that's, I think, a really good mantra to build into to what you're doing, Make, making sure that it's a choice, not an obligation or something that's just sort of crept up on you because you've not handled it well enough to sort of bat it away. So that's the book Essentialism. Um, I would really recommend it. It's something I read quite a while ago. Um, I've gone back and looked at it this week using the brilliant app Blinkist, which gives you uh, a summary of books. So I was able to pick up the key points from that um, to help with our discussions. So I'd recommend the book Essentialism by Greg McEwan. And I'd also recommend Blinkist as an app if you want to get the sort of key points of, of business books without necessarily needing to spend all the time reading them or certainly not reading all of them. You can just read the ones that you really want to read once you've picked up the key points from them. Again, the show notes of this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 218. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.